Hi, and welcome to Beyond Parking, a podcast brought to you by the British Parking Association. My name's Joey, and I'm here today with Julian, and we both work in the technology, innovation and research team. Welcome back to Beyond Parking and our second podcast. Um, we really enjoyed doing the last one, so we're back again to do a second one. Yeah, we got some great feedback, so it's it's pleased to know we're going along the right direction. Uh, the BPA, as a as an entity, is is obviously moving more to virtual means of communication at the moment, and as well as this podcast, we have webinars for those who are BPA members. We have chat rooms in different sectors, and there's our knowledge library with all manner of useful information. Mm. So, shall we um, talk a little bit about our exciting interviewee today, Mr. Dan Hubert? the CEO of Appyway. What did you really uh, take away from the interview? Well, I think that I think the key thing for me, Julian, was the way that Dan talked about collaboration. I think it's really I think for me, it's something really important, communication and collaboration. And it's it's sort of it's vital to getting work done successfully. And he really highlights the importance of that and how we as a sector can support a much wider network of infrastructure and logistics and how tech can be involved in that in that transformation. Yeah, that was interesting. And I also like the story, really, of, of his his uh, transformation from someone working in a completely different sector to uh, to being an innovator in parking without giving too much away. It's, it's a really interesting story. Uh, and I think maybe we should get on with the interview. What do you say? Yeah, I think definitely. Otherwise, we'll have talk, talked about the whole interview without letting Dan speak. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> cool. All right. Over to the interview. Hi Dan, welcome to Beyond Parking. It's great to have you on the show again. Um, I'm just thinking the last time we saw you was just before lockdown. To kick us off, I was just wondering if you could tell us a bit more about Appy Way. Yeah, sure. So Appy Way is an intelligent curbside and smart parking platform that uh, digitally transforms the processes for local government and car park managers to streamline and uh, digitise their their operation, and then in doing so, making the best data available for consumers, fleets, and in fact, any type of driver to have the best uh, peace of mind, knowledge, choice, uh, and ultimately compliance at the curbside, not just for a parking session, but also for a curb kiss, as we like to call it, which allows vehicles to pull over and load. It could be for 40 minutes or it could be for 30 seconds if it's an Uber. It's interesting. Parking's changed a lot from what we call parking to actually what's mentioned a lot is curbside management, like you just mentioned. How did you get into it? It's not the most obvious career choice. Uh, so it started um, in 2012. Uh, I was a creative director in some of London's biggest advertising agencies um, and I was doing a lot of creative briefs for a lot of global brands and writing tv commercials and uh, and stuff like that so it was all very fun for, for about 10 years the last three years sort of uh, i was getting a bit bored of the whole industry everyone was very risk adverse and therefore creativity was being stifled and i was in the job to be creative not just to write ads for some brand during that time i was always looking for the next um, version of me um, and i kept on getting a few parking fines uh, and there's uh, uh, about 54 controlled parking zones in Camden alone. One side of the street could be two hours of uh, in, um, enforced time and the other street could be 24 hours. It's that sort of contrasting. And as a consumer, just trying to drive around, uh, trying to park on single yellow lines, I know you could, but I didn't know how, when really, it wasn't that clear. I looked into the problem 
uh, and realized that there were these very uh, old-fashioned maps drawn on A to Z, essentially, on FTP sites for the local government. And that was their version of digital, barely readable or legible for a human, never mind apps or one day perhaps connected autonomous vehicles. So I thought, well, how is this? This information is necessary. It doesn't exist. And I kind of um, was incensed by the, like, how analog it was and how broken, but what would be the potential if we could actually digitize that curbside and make it fair, make it equitable. In 2012, I kind of started working out, okay, I've got a bit of money. I can live for a year if I become very scrupulous. Uh, and that's what I did. I kind of gave it all up and went on this journey really uh, into the unknown. I didn't know anything about parking. I didn't know anything about the parking industry. and I didn't know anything about technology uh, or, uh, <laughs> or that, or business in fact. Um, so it was a very uh, fast learning curve. And I went around really the local authorities and just knocked on the doors and just sort of spoke to them and listened to them. And it was always the same, the same um, problems. And it became very apparent there was a, essentially a, a, a system that needed to be offered to them uh, to enable this. So I cycled around the whole of London and created a whole uh, controlled parking zone map of the whole of London uh, and then exposed those zones uh, in an app and it was called Yellow Line Parking. Um, then it got into the App Store uh, and it got some loads of downloads, it got into the Evening Standard uh, and then I managed then to present it uh, via Nick Lester at London Councils uh, to the sort of parking managers um, quarterly meeting at London Councils, and that's kind of where I sort of aired, aired the, the, the vision, if you like, and it kind of all uh, all started from there. That's an amazing story, Dan. It's quite an odyssey, I think, you could stay in the parking world. And I know that meeting myself was, it's in a kind of like a, a Bond villain's room, isn't it? Big oval table, is that the same one? Yeah, it was a big, uh, daunting oval, like a UN summit. Uh, that's it, yeah, it yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Actually, just a question that occurs to me, hearing your story, um, you come from advertising into parking. Are there any um, tricks of the trade, if you like, and, and skills or perspectives that you've carried over from one to the other? For me, I, I had no money, really, when I started this. Very, very, very little. And that, wasn't, uh, that was just allocated to some external software. But I had to sort of uh, stand out from the crowd uh, when the world was zigging zag you know, uh, and go opposite. And so ultimately, uh, my, my, my sort of branding and sort of advertising DNA allowed me to sort of um, look way bigger or uh, get a voice in a very sort of, you know, saturated market. So, you know, when I walked the floors of the parking conferences, I just found the brightest yellow t-shirt I could, where I slapped a logo on it. And essentially, I was the, I was the stand. There's no point in doing vanilla. You've either got to be really good or really bad. Just don't do the same as everyone else because otherwise you're just wasting money on advertising. Yeah. yeah. We are living in the uh, pandemic. That was the focus of our last uh, podcast. And very interested to know how it's affected your company. What's been hard? What's been interesting? Has there been opportunities? In terms of sort of the, the sort of effects on sales, uh, you know, the first couple of weeks, I think everyone... It was like a big long bank holiday, and it was a bit excited. It was like a snow day. Everyone was quite excited. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a lot of airtime over COVID about parking, about you know changing the curbside, how it needs to become more dynamic. You know how the streets need to be widened, the pavement. So there's a, yeah. there's a kind of there's a massive response, and it kind of shows that sort of the how important uh, the sector that we're in actually really is managing the. The, uh, the infrastructure, uh, not just the road part, but actually what happens on the roadside is equally as important as the, the road network itself. So, so for that, really, uh, in terms of our technology, because it is a digital, dynamic, intelligent curbside. So actually going forward, our, uh, our mapper product that we developed with 
the local authorities in, in the UK is positioned to be to really help the sort of the, the local authorities to manipulate and manage that road network in a much faster fashion. And, and before, you know, in terms of traffic regulation orders, it's a, a very heavy paper-based system, um, you know, 15,000 page Word documents, and trying to get that sort of done when you're remote is a nightmare, I can imagine. So the, the, the mm. need for digital data, for data to be in a centralized, harmonious uh, place that can be interrogated across multiple departments from one centralized system, it's a better contingency plan to have this system in place because it just makes them more agile and more mobile if there were ever to be a pandemic again. But you can see how contingency plans are going to be more apparent uh, within local authority agendas. Absolutely, yeah, that, that's a, a great point. And um, yeah, I can see how a digitised curbside really uh, fits in well with that debate and that discussion. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is optimization, really, isn't it? Mm. That, that's the, you need to optimise the road network, manage the supply and demand is the uh, the real estate or the public realm uh, to, to a degree where uh, the public are protected as well so the whole thing is a very delicate balance of optimization yeah, sure yeah do you think there's been a shift in acceptance within the public in the digitization of the curbside and the sort of recognition that curbsides can be used in a more dynamic way i mean certainly for me i really enjoyed running up the road uh, when <laughs> yeah. I was doing my daily exercise <laughs> yeah i mean i think the the digital transformation of this sector is fundamental for the success or getting us out of uh, the debt that we're going to be in for the next sort of uh, 20 years. You know, the fact that we spend a billion pound a year on parking management in local government is a lot of money. The fact that we spend 126 million pound a year on 53,000 traffic uh, order uh, changes is again a huge amount of money. Uh, and you know you can fundamentally change that through digitization and that money can go back into the treasury and dig us out of this uh, huge debt that we're gonna be in for the next uh, 20 years. So there is huge cost savings and that doesn't mean to say uh, unemployment, it goes back to my optimization point. All, all, all those jobs out there can help increase the optimization of it, which actually increases then uh, the yield and increases the churn of the high street and, uh, and increases that, the activity and the buzz and rejuvenates the high street. So it all goes back into the economy. Yeah. I kind of always look at our, what we're doing as a job um, as part of the data, the warehouse. You know, in an Amazon warehouse, they know exactly where something is and they go and pick it up and it's all, it's not like an Ikea shelf uh, where it's one spot for one thing. That's actually quite old fashioned and, and that's used because humans go in and they need guidance of part of a grid system. Whereas uh, Amazon warehouses have just, you know, they chuck anything in any old shelf with a space. And that's because it's not humans picking it up. That's because a robot goes and, uh, or a, a robot yeah. tells the human to go and pick it up. So it's just optimizing space. Um, and so, and so, so that's, the, that's the part they've solved. You know, Amazon have done an unbelievable job of that and, and Ocado and the likes of that. But then, then ultimately, why it falls off a cliff, that real smart logistics play and that, uh, to get stuff quicker to the door, to give more deliveries to the to the uh, disabled or elderly, mm -hmm. you know, falls off because then they're stuck by uh, by an analog um, infrastructure at the curbside. So I kind of see what we're doing is just part of the supply chain within a digital uh, warehouse, if you like, and it's an mm -hmm. extension of digital inventory. Dan, um, I, before all of this uh, lockdown happened, in happier days, uh, I saw you at the uh, British Parking Awards. And uh, I recall you won the Partnership Award. And for those who, who won to that wonderful event, um, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about how you got that award, what, what, what that was all about. 
Uh, yes, yeah, so the, the Partnerships Award, um, super proud of that one, actually. That was, uh, that was a long time coming. Um, that was working with um, Coventry, um, Milton Keynes and Cambridge. Um, all of those have got uh, a very forward thinking. All of them want to digitise their network. All of them have got connected autonomous vehicle, um, either uh, projects or uh, ambitions going on. Uh, and so really, really understand the need to get digital infrastructure into an organized format to, to enable um, uh, uh, collective vehicles. The, the heart of what we do is that we organize and expedite the change of uh, traffic regulation order, uh, orders that streamlines the current processes from this analog version. And it was you know, a system built uh, for local authorities with local authorities. After my years of listening to the to the woes uh, and being able to actually deliver what I was hearing, so you know, it's a simplified system and it can speed up the existing management by about eighty three percent. And when you think uh, how it can uh, get ready to position the curbside as that dynamic infrastructure that it needs to be, it all helps uh, speed up the rollout of uh, EV. In order for EV electrification of the UK to happen, we need digitisation first. We were in great danger in 10 years' time having a lot of lampposts with plugs in them that are mm. just um, null and void because they're in the wrong place or yep. uh, they weren't, there, wasn't, there wasn't the precision about execution at the start. There, there are a wide range of local authorities at various stages of digitisation. And I'd imagine when you go in there, there is a change management process that has to happen. I wondered if you could share your experience around that and, and how you've perhaps overcome working with very archaic systems, bringing them up to date. How do you address the myriad of issues there must be around that? Um, so when you go to different uh, departments, they've all got different agendas. So the more people we can kind of get into the room, uh, also you realise that they're all, they all kind of realise they're doing um, a slightly different siloed piece of work on exactly the same bit of tarmac. So you kind of see that actually if they have the shared ledger of truth uh, at the knowledge data set, then they can actually have a, a, a much more considered opinion about what they're doing and see the cause and effect if one department does something, how does it affect the other department? It's an education process first, or mm. uh, you just kind of go, if some just go, no, we're, we're happy the way you are, you, know, you just walk away. You can't, you can't uh, force people like that. But pretty much we're, we're all humans. We all want better places to live. And, you know, it's pretty rare to get someone who doesn't want what we want because it, it's just like, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of what COVID is showing, uh, you know, about being able to run down the streets in, 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 in the middle of the day. You know, that's where, you know, why wouldn't we want that? That's, you know, unfortunately, we need the bloody car because we've got to get to work. You know, that's, that's just our, our vice. That's a long way of answering it, really. But you, you kind of just have to read the audience, listen to their, uh, listen to what they need to do. And then we, then we facilitate, uh, we come in with our angle. Yeah, it sounds like um, collaboration is obviously a really, well, I mean, it's a key part of everyone's work, but it seems like working with local authorities and different organisations is a really key part of what you're doing. You know, I think in, in, in terms of collaboration, whenever we go into something, we know that we aren't just the, the be all end all. You know, we're not this, we're not this proprietary siloed eco ecosystem. We are a platform to enable local authorities to enable services upon their infrastructure. So we are just, we are just a component, uh, an enabler for the local authority to have the control. And then it's like you know, bringing logistics companies 
companies, bring in, uh, bring in ride-hailing companies, bring in EV companies, and invite them to collaborate because you realize that actually a logistics company and an EV company might be able to work together because this means that and that means this, and there's a bigger picture, a bigger solution there. So uh, we, all, we always think um, outside the box. We don't just go, we're just going to sell our service and that's it and move on. It's like, how do we enrich, enrich that solution? And, uh, and and make it better, make it all parts of the ecosystem happy. And I think I've always, I've always said we kind of we have a, a you know a Rubik's cube of happiness. There's not just two sides. It's not us and just the customer. There's like you know everyone's affected by the curbside. And who uh, who in that ecosystem could we bring in on our Rubik's cube of happiness and make everyone happy? <laughs> Which is quite a mind. You know, it's quite you know, it's four dimensional. It's a, a head a head spinner. Um, but you kind of get engagement, and therefore you have a, a bigger a much bigger solution that offers better um, you know, uh, better outcomes. What's the next big big thing for Appyway? What what um, will you be you know doing as as the next big project or the next big should I say paradigm of of uh, parking management you might be uh, getting involved in? Yeah, the, well, this really goes back to the collaboration stuff. But uh, yeah, we've won some recent uh, projects and been doing some um, sort of. Uh, minimal viable products with uh, say the transport for west Mid transport for west midlands uh, using 5g so um, this is a, a a live trial that took place where uh, we use connect uh, we used uh, video mounted video mounts on uh, vehicles driving by detecting um, gaps in the road uh, and then via 5g uh, sending it off to the uh, to the cloud for us to process merging it with our uk-wide uh, curbside map and then it delivers them real-time availability uh, um, back to apps and APIs uh, um, within sort of I think 20 seconds but with 5G we can get that down considerably and that is huge you know that's sort of how you you know join forces with the local uh, freight, uh, freight companies how you join forces with the logistics companies and take data off those moving vehicles uh, which are just doing their job so it's like a you know a silent partner and that's that's huge again it's kind of it all goes back to how do you get all the vehicles on the streets actively working together in this uh, consortium partnership all delivering information back to one another uh, to provide then an enriched data set then which to to, to make the uh, optimized network so that for me is like you know that doesn't require you know uh, hardware on the streets you know rolling out sensors everywhere uh, we did that successfully in you know, Harrogate and uh, Halifax and got it in Coventry. And that was really, you know, that's doing really well. There's so much more to be had with those, uh, mm. uh, that solution. Um, but, you know, when, when, when we go into sort of connected cars and getting the telematics of the vehicle and using that data to uh, create um, more solutions, that for me is where, where we're always striving to get to. We just we just we're going on these different stepping stones of innovation uh, to prove the technology, prove business models, bring in more stakeholders engagement. Uh, for me, it's bringing in more finance as well, uh, and then to help leverage it into the sort of uh, UK-wide sort of cloud-based uh, intelligent curbside system. If you could redesign uh, traffic management, how would you do this? What what would be your priority? <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. How long have we got? <laughs> um, so I think, um, yeah, th this one is a very, very big topic and it's entrenched in uh, politics uh, and, and a, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, jobs out there at the moment, depending on this, this act, the way it's been formed. And you know, this, this, you know, 1984, it's a 36-year-old act, right? 36-year-old is a huge time. It's, a, you know, it's, it's not it's three decades, three and a half decades ago. It's huge. And you think how times change, you know, since that and how sort of the road network has changed 
So for me, I think, and also the, the name Regulation Act is, or Traffic Regulation, it's, you know, I, I was saying to uh, uh, some of our team that we should rebrand, I'm all, obviously there's my advertising streak, uh, we need to rebrand traffic regulation orders and, and call them mobility enabling orders and turn it from a restrictive, um, a restrictive mindset, because regulation feels very regulatory, uh, and turn it into an enabler. You know, the curbside should be open, it should be accessible, it should be free for the person who wants to park nearest to the destination for the right time, for the right price, right purpose, uh, if they're compliant. You know, so it should be, for me, the, the nature of park, the parking industry today is all about enforcement. That's the only way local authorities have ever been able to manage or monetize the streets to some degree because there was no data they were it was there was they were operating stuff blindly so if you have uh, a digital curbside um you know a commodity that is available for both both operators and people who want to access it you can then get into compliance and compliance again, is, uh, is, a, is music to the ears of fleet operators. All they want to do is be compliant. If do BT want to pay four million pounds worth of parking tickets from a 7,000 fleet? Probably not. Addison Lee, you know, the moving tra traffic orders in, you, in London, they, they're getting uh, 1.8 million pounds worth of tickets, I, I think, um, but don't hold me to that one. Why can't people buy into compliance instead of running, running fearful from enforcement? And I think what's really encouraging is that you can really see how fast government can operate during times of yes. crisis. Yes, it's really interesting how in this uh, pressing time, things can really get moving quickly. I've just heard that traffic order processing has been modified so that uh, what would have taken months can now happen very quickly. I believe an act went from Parliament to being enforced within a matter of days so that local authorities don't actually need to advertise in local papers anymore. So that's good news all round. Anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you this afternoon and hearing all about the uh, innovations that Appy Way are involved in at the moment. Yeah, good stuff. No, well, I appreciate your time and uh, hopefully we can do a, do a, a well, virtual high five for now and a, and a physical uh, physical handshake. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Hopefully, uh, yeah, <laughs> in hopefully a few months. But uh, yeah. no, thank you very much. Great, thank you. Cheers. Right, thank, thank you. Take care. Cool. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.